Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with your co-host, the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice, and his wife, Jeannie. Michael and Jeannie share with you the wisdom of the ancient Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. They offer tools and support five days a week. They will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love. In Aramaic, Rachma. Michael is the author of Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information on Michael and Jeannie, please visit www.whyagain.com. And now your co-host, the forgiveness doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. To the brightness within you and the truth that is rooted within me. Hi and welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the forgiveness doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm your co-host, Jeannie Rice, along with Dr. Tim Hayes, and we welcome you to the show. Today is Wednesday, October the 21st, 2015, and our call-in number is 646-200-4169. Press 1, and that puts you in queue to talk to us, and we would love to hear your comments and your questions, because that makes this your show. I normally at this time say welcome, Michael, but he's doing something at the moment, so he'll be with us shortly. So I'm going to open it up just by talking a little bit about where I have been for the last five days. And thank you so much, Michelle and Dr. Tim, for covering the switchboard and and everything for me. It's uh, it definitely made it easier for me to stay focused where I was. So I went last Tuesday. We stayed here in Springfield, and then I flew up to uh, Newark, New Jersey, and spent the night, and the following day caught a shuttle with 40-some other women. I think we had 48 all totaled. 45 were on the shuttle bus, and we rode up through the beautiful mountains to Pocono, Pennsylvania, and they had a facility that was just out of this world, but even more than all of that was the women that participated in it. It was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, there were uh, men, another lady were the main presenters, and then we there was another uh, minister that was there who did the services on Sunday. And between the three of us, it seemed like everything that we were doing was almost like we were reading each other's notes. <laughs> and so it was the whole conference was on uh, the journey within, unveiling the divine. And so my lessons all pertain to that the divine is the God in us, it's the being. you know. And of course I started out, as we always do, with have you held a newborn child or a kitten or a puppy or whatever and described the essence of it and that that is the essence of the divine that is within us. And that somewhere along the way that we took our journey and we left it behind. And so unveiling it meant removing all the barriers so it was the forgiveness process. So they actually were the ones that picked the topics that each of us were supposed to present, and their topics were absolutely perfect for discussing the forgiveness process. You know, I walked them through what healing was going to look like, and uh, that was what we did the first day. And then after that, moved into the forgiveness process. Even touched on. The purpose, it was very brief that I walked them through doing the purpose worksheet. And that once you knew your purpose, everything would go into alignment. But it was really kind of uh, comical. That's not really the right word. But like the first evening, I only had 30 minutes. And the next day, I had two and a half hours. And that's where I covered the how the healing looks and the forgiveness process. Then the next day I had two sessions, and one was 30 minutes long and one was 15 minutes long. Well, when I woke up Saturday morning, my 30-minute presentation was totally changed. And it was like, what? You know, God, I've got that other one down pat. I know what I'm going to talk about. And it was just this uh, real impression to know that's not how you're going to do it. That's not what you're going to talk about. And so... I went over and sat down at the computer. I threw all those notes away, 
and started typing. And it all came together in about 30 minutes. However, I missed the morning meditation by doing that. But it was just, it was really kind of, I don't know how else to call it. It's not a coincidence. I mean, there's no coincidence with spirit. But just how everything works out and how it's all on track. And it's exactly, you know, what we need to say and what we need to do. And So anyway, that was my weekend and... That went through Sunday, and then uh, some a former uh, in-law, <laughs> and we've remained friends. Uh, she came and picked me up, and we share grandchildren. And so I spent uh, two, three days with her, and time with the grandchildren, and it was just, it was really good. I was able to bring in the inside out and talk to the six-year-old granddaughter about that and explain what it means to let go of the things that don't belong. And there was actually one time when she was kind of in her upset and it was, I was like, okay, now breathe. I said, sadness has control right now. And I said, let's take a deep breath. And it took me two or three times saying, take a deep breath. And finally she did. And it was just like this big release. And I said, now doesn't that feel better? And she's like, yeah. And I said, okay. I said, so we can, you know, embrace it and then let it go. I said, it's not serving you right now. And so she really was able to get that. I left her a Nafsha book and, and then, uh, just trying to work with, or not trying, but I was working with the different members of the family and uh, didn't get to go into great detail. I would have liked to have breathed a couple of them, but uh, just didn't seem to be the right timing or, you know, there was just so much else going on. But anyway, it was a very busy, very uh, profitable weekend as far as the lives that were touched and the and the work that got out and then Throughout that presentation and everything, there were at least three women that there is a potential for me doing another women's workshop with their group or with another group. And so it just keeps expanding, keeps growing, and I keep getting blessed. So that's what I did for the last five days and why I haven't been on the show. And so at this time, then let me welcome Dr. Tim. How are you doing? Thank you so much for filling in. Well, you're very welcome. Glad to hear that it went so well, as we were expecting. And, of course, there have been uh, some absolutely lovely shows that we've had since you were gone. And uh, Michael said you did get my uh, file on the show I that did. Michael Coughlin called in, and that edits together his appearance last week and one from I believe it was April 8th thank you for doing that I I did get it I just haven't had a chance to to sit down and and uh, do anything with anything I got in like at 1130 last night and just kind of crashed out in bed (laughs) so this morning I am now getting back to opening emails and, and getting back on track so I will definitely get that on the website thank you for doing that well, you're very welcome. It was uh, very rewarding to be part of that show and just listen in, and it was also um, uh, very interesting. We had a show on last Wednesday where things were really flowing, and and um, I guess we had uh, Michael answering some questions from that show, from Wednesday's show on Friday, which was a good show. So it was just lots and lots of good stuff happening. And we had our group on Thursday night, and we had our group last night. And um, again, I'm I'm I try to say this most every time. I'm just blessed by the quality and the integrity of the people that continually show up for our support groups, and the depth of the work they do is just wonderful. And um, it happened again last night. We had somebody who decided to do a worksheet on a life and death situation that occurred over the weekend and and so much energy was moving we decided to do some tapping first normally we do that if there's still energy left after the worksheet but we did multiple rounds of the faster EFT tapping and then got involved in the worksheet process and it was just 
very, 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 very nice, as all of these groups are, and my gratitude to all of those people who participate and who are choosing to use the tools to make their lives better. So we want to put the call out to anybody who's got a question or a comment because that really makes the shows uh, come to life and um, it really provides us with a launching point to explore the work differently for ourselves and to uh, help people at a different level integrate the learnings from all these wonderful tools that Michael and you have made us uh, given us access to. Yeah, it definitely puts a different energy to it when it's live and, and people are calling in and, and putting questions out there because if you have a question, I guarantee there's at least one other person that's listening that it's also their question and they're just not brave enough to ask it. So 646-200-4169, press 1. And that puts you in queue and lets us know that you're wanting to talk, that you're not just listening. So with no hand up or anything, um, I'll just go over the kind of quickly, the lesson that got changed. The 30-minute session that I was going to have was, you know, what are we going to take on our journey? I mean, everything was about, you know, the journey within and, and that life is the journey. It's not... Um, the destination and, you know, working through all of the things. And what came to me uh, that morning, like I said, I I woke up, I slept awesomely well. I just woke up and and went over to the computer and just started typing. And all of this just kind of fell out. And it was five things that we're going to take with us on that journey. And uh, the first thing was the breath. And I talked about how, you know, there was a conference I went to and there was a, a Jewish man that was keynoting the conference. And he said that in their native language, that the name of God was not pronounceable. Now, they didn't have vowels in there, so I don't know if it wasn't pronounceable because it was all consonants and it was just like almost impossible to actually pronounce or because his name was so sacred that they couldn't pronounce it. But they said his name was like the breath, just like, <sighs> and he then he went on to say, so are we alive because we took our first breath or because we first spoke God's name? And if we die, is it because we take our last breath or because we quit speaking God's name? And then I just talked about the power of the breath and that, you know, um, that was the very essence. It was their connection to our source. And I talked about the rose and the butterfly and gave them that example. And that we needed to, to the first thing we needed to do was to take the breath with us on that journey within. Because that's also how we keep from looking at something within is by holding the breath. And... Then the second thing that we take with us on the journey is a new mind. And I reminded them about the forgiveness process we had done the day before, that you have to forgive, you have to let go, you have to be able to, you know, I quoted the scriptures that said that you had to uh, have that uh, new mind so that you could discern the path to take. And I said, you know, we have to let go of and remove the barriers that block us or keep us from seeing the way, from seeing the path. And so the uh, second thing was that we had to take a new mind. And the third thing was that we had to take the light. And I gave them scriptures where it was uh, given to us, that, and it was a church group. So if you hear me saying scriptures, that was one of the reasons, you know, depending on the groups that we talk to, we can present you know, from a scientific point of view, from a naturopathic point of view or whatever. But this was actually a church group of ladies, so um, I did stick with a lot of scriptures in it because that was where a lot of their foundation was. And so, you know, Yeshua had told us, and it's not theology, it's just the way the world works. He said that we are the light of the world, and we have to take that light with us. And I gave the little example that Michael always gives about being in a mammoth cave with just a pin light. If you don't shine it in the right place at the right time, that you could fall into a pit. You could, you know, get taken off of your journey and and totally change the path you're going. So the third thing that we needed to take with us was, was our light so that we could avoid those pitfalls and see what was before us. And then I talked about the alignment and 
how, you know, prayer in Aramaic is setting a trap for God. And I explained about the antenna and that, you know, the antenna traps the TV signal going through the air and that then it presents a clear picture on the television set. And that we are supposed to be in alignment with love, with God, with their source, with who we are. And that if we're in alignment, then the picture is clear. Other people can see the love in us. And we can be on more on purpose. And that's where I presented the purpose exercise. And that once you're, you know what your purpose is, that then you align everything else. You align your, your thoughts, your goals, your behaviors, your feelings, all of that, and start saying, is it in alignment? Because we need to in that alignment. And so the fourth thing was um, to have choice to be in alignment and to follow our purpose. And then the last thing, the fifth thing that we were going to take on the journey within was the guarantee that we had Rukka de Kutcha, and I, I, there were several guarantees that were given in the scripture, you know, um, promises and, you know, you do this and this is going to be the result that happens. And that, you know, where we couldn't do things on our own, that with that power that's within us, and it's actually an elemental force, just like the wind and the and the earth and the fire and, and all that, there's an elemental force for humans that's put inside that would show us the errors and help us to, to walk in truth and and the power, like the super processor, to do things that we couldn't do alone. And actually, at that point, I used the example of, uh, I use props all the time when I'm presenting. And so I had chopsticks, and I had given everybody chopsticks. And I said, you know, break them apart. I said, no, you've got a peanut in front of you. You can only use one of the chopsticks to pick it up. And, of course, you can't pick up a peanut with one chopstick. I said, now, you need a community. And I gave the example. There was when my son was small. One time he got up in the middle of the night, and he was afraid. And I'd taken him back to his room, and there's a picture hanging in his bedroom, and it was of the angel watching over the little children going across the bridge. I think everybody's kind of familiar with that picture. And I said, you know, Ryan, I said, you've got angels watching over you. And he's like, I know, Mommy, but I want somebody with skin on. And so everybody kind of laughed when they heard the story. And I said, but, you know, that's how it is. We do have the Holy Spirit within. We do have angels watching over us or whatever. But sometimes we need somebody with skin. And I said, so you've got a community here. And most of them were from the same churches. You know, there, there was, I don't think there was anybody except maybe myself that wasn't part of one of their communities. And I said, you know, you've got a community. I said, you need to have support. I said, nobody can do this journey alone. So you have somebody else with skin. I said, so now pick up your other chopstick. And they did. And I said, now between you and the other person, perhaps you can pick up that peanut. I said, you may still have some challenges. I said, so that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. And I had these little, they're called uh, fun chops. And they're these little plastic things that you snap on the end of the chopsticks. They usually use them for children. And it makes the chopsticks just like a little spring. They're really easy to use then. You don't have to know how to hold them. It just takes two fingers and you can use them. So I said, you know, one chopstick is you. One chopstick is your other person in skin. And then that little link between the two of you is the Holy Spirit or the Rukadikutsha, the power that can do things when you can't do it on your own. And so I kind of used that example to drive the point across that they needed to develop that community of love and support. That's actually what we have on this radio show. We have people that tap in from all over the country, all over the world, that um, you know are here to support each other. And so when you call in and you have an issue and you ask a question, you know, you've got us, we've got skin, and we're here to help you, but then we can also help direct you back to what you know already but perhaps have forgotten that you've got that power within you. And then I quoted the, uh, or read the quote from The Course in Miracles that says, once you've accepted God's plan as the one function that you would fulfill, there is nothing else that the Holy Spirit or Rukka Dekutcha will not arrange for you without your effort. will go before you making straight your path and leaving in your way no stones to trip on, no obstacles to bar your way. Nothing you need will be denied you, not one seeming difficulty, but will melt away before you even reach it. You need take thought for nothing, careless of everything, except the one only purpose that you would fulfill that was given to you so its fulfillment will be 
God's guarantee will hold against all obstacles for it rests. So his guarantee that's given you, it rests on certainty, not contingency. It rests on you. And what can be more certain than a son or daughter of God? And so that's kind of how I closed that session. But it was like all of that came to me in about 30 minutes. It was like, God, I don't know this one. But it worked out awesomely, beautifully. I had a standing ovation even at the end of it. Everybody got it. And we talked about the still small voice that, you know, the world, there's so much distraction. And if nobody calls in, I'm going to go down that road here in a second until Michael gets back with us. But the life and the world is so busy to keep us distracted so we don't look at what we really need to pay attention to. And I said, you've got to listen. You know, the, all the information that anybody ever needs is out there in the universe. But you've got to listen with more than your ears. And you got to look with more than your eyes. And so what I did was I had one person volunteer, and I took her out of the room. And then I had all the other 48 women or whatever stand in like two crooked lines. They were facing each other. And so there's two lines, 20-some women on both sides facing each other, but they're crooked. And so then I go back out to the girl that I left outside, and I blindfolded her, and I led her into the end of the line. And I said, now you've got to follow my voice to get to the other end of this journey. And I had already told the other women that as I started walking her down through there, that they were to yell and scream and holler and make all this racket and tell her, no, 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 come over here. Oh, no, listen over here. And so they're screaming at the tops of their voice. So you can imagine 40-some women just, you know, going at it. And this lady's got to follow my voice, and I'm talking in just a tiny whisper. And she has to really focus in to be able to hear my voice. And I tell her, you know, take two steps to the right. Now come forward three steps. Now take two steps to the left. You know, and I walk her through this crowd until she gets to the other end of it. And everybody got it that that was the still small voice and that all the other was distraction to keep us from hearing that guidance. And that we really have to sometimes focus to block out all of the other noise to be able to hear. And, you know, if we follow that, then our path, we'll, we will go on the journey where we need to go and we will we will find the divine that we left behind. And, I mean, they just really got that. But then what was even more powerful, and I didn't know this when I asked the girl to volunteer, she actually started crying. And she said that when she was small, her grandfather would take her and blindfold her and put her in the forest and tell her she had to find her way home. And so that triggered all of that for her. But because she had gotten used to being able to listen and hear, you know, like noises of nearby farms or whatever and be able to find her way, that she could find her way back. And so she had actually practiced listening to what was going on outside and being able to tap into noises. But that was just really powerful for everybody else then that that had triggered that memory and to be able to see how things that she had done in her life also came from some of those memories. And so we we opened that conversation and talked about it. So it was just awesome, phenomenal, and a tremendous experience for me. And so there's still no questions. If you've got a question, please press 1 and ask it. Uh, I see Michelle is now with us in the chat room. So, Michelle, I don't know that you were on when I said thank you, thank you, thank you for filling in while um, I was gone and allowing me the time to just focus on these other ladies, and I really do appreciate that. Thank you so much. So, Michael, are you with us? Or, Dr. Tim, do you have anything? Can you hear me? Yes, can hear you loud. Hello. Oh, good. So I was just going to say, Dr. Tim, do you think we've got a teacher extraordinaire here? Exactly. It's phenomenal. Delightful. Thank you. I'm, I'm sitting down phone. here in the car. Go I'm on, Michael. sitting down here in the car listening, listening, Jeannie, to what you're saying, just right on the edge of tears. Appreciation for you. Thank you. I had a good teacher. <laughs> and, you know, it was a good lesson for me to be in the spot where I would listen. 
because it would have been really easy to have said, oh, no, you know, I've practiced this other one. I can do it. You know, I don't know any of this. This is new stuff you just gave to me, and I was going to be on within an hour and a half. So I didn't really have time. You know, I ran and ate breakfast and then come back and went over my notes again. And But then even the delivery, it was just like, actually, there was one lady, and she asked me, she said, can you repeat that part? And I was like, no. <laughs> I was it's like I was channeling or something it was just coming through and I said I couldn't even tell you what I just said it was because I wasn't necessarily following my notes or anything and someone in the chat room just said Michael are you breathing and then said laugh out loud um, but uh, yeah it was just awesome to be in that space to be actually directed and uh, just to to let go and know that you know whatever was going to come out that it was it was going to be appropriate and right and and actually at the end um my the next session that day uh there were so many questions and so many comments and things like that that time was cut short for us to do our final presentation so I actually had to to cut that short by about 10 minutes and but it was all just so perfect and the the connection that came together and out of, you know, I said if nobody else got anything out of it but me, there was one girl that she shared at the end that she had been um, molested when she was eight years old and had always held the belief that in some way it was her fault and she wouldn't dare tell anybody because she thought they're going to look at me like I'm dirty and and all of this. And, and so she held all that inside, and she said she could see how her whole life had been impacted by holding that in and blaming herself and how free she was now knowing she could let that go. And then there was another girl that mentioned that, you know, hearing the part that some of it was genetic stuff that had come in because she said some of the things that she would think about, it was like that had never happened in her life. She had never experienced that. Why was it even in her thoughts? And yet those thoughts also impacted how she behaved and choices or decisions she made. Uh, That was another biggie for even the other minister was that there was a difference between decision and choice. And... There was a lot of questions around that and wanting further explanation on it. And then on Sunday morning when the minister delivered her sermon, there was actually like four times in it that she looked at me and she said, and I changed this part because of you. And then she would talk about choice, something being choice or something being a decision. And she'd just look at me and grin. And so there were several things like that that were just like validations, just affirmation of, you know, you're on it, you're doing it, you're saying what you're supposed to be saying. And so that was just, it was phenomenal. It was a great experience, and I was glad that I, you know, I told them, I said, I am honored that you even asked me to come and facilitate your group. Well, well I am breathing in appreciation. Excuse me, Tim, and uh, and Jeannie, it's such a, a powerful demonstration of a conversation we've had so often on the show that our purpose is to connect people into the source that will instruct them on everything in their lives. And so you've just given us a really powerful example of that. And, you know, a lot of people think of that as some kind of theological woo-woo, but if you listen to the physicists, the physicists tell us that every molecule in the universe is in continuous communication with every other molecule in the universe. But we're taught to listen to our brain rather than live in those eternal forces, those energy fields, which takes us back to the first beatitude that says got to be in those eternal forces. And so it sounds like you took a new level, a new a new uh, initiative of standing and living in those eternal forces. And, uh, you know, everything we need to know will always be given to us if we live there. And, you know, and there's the power of the forgiveness process because it clears out the noise so we can live there. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Excuse me, Dr. Tim, go ahead. No need. You just said what I was going to say. We've had that conversation come up on the show several times in the past week. It was part of what was happening on Wednesday. It's part of the message we give over and over again that our whole purpose is to help people clear out the garbage so they've got direct 
access to the same source of power and wisdom and insight that gave rise to these tools in the first place. Letting every individual tap into their own unique creative access to this source. Yay. That's it, for sure. So uh, it sounds like we were kind of tapped into the same source there with that comment, Tim. And, uh, you know, that one of my uh, my favorite sayings is, of course, great minds think alike. And fools seldom differ, they say. So we just have to decide which category we belong in, and there we go. I think it's great minds. There you go. Thank you, Gene. Well, <laughs> I, I think it's the issue of when I'm – tapped into ego it's the fool and when i'm tapped into the other source it's the great mind it's it's only one mind yes absolutely there is only one in the in the true world what what we actually call mind the functional cells of the body isn't mind at all it's just a pure computer function you know mind implies thinking there's no thinking in a decision-making machine in resonance. If I say, don't think about the color of your car, people say, well, now I'm thinking about the color of my car. I say, no, you're not. Those brain cells just fired. That's got nothing to do with, with actual mind. And so, but our culture forces us. You know, they, there's lots of research that looks at kids that are just, you know, at the height of creativity at two, three, four, five years of age, and then they go to school. Two years later, their creativity is pretty much smashed. And that's the game, the game of the culture. Force them into their intellect. Force them into their minds. And the truth is, if you're going to really live as a human being, you've got to be out of your mind. <laughs> so anyway, what fun, what fun. If you haven't used, by the way, if you're new to the show and you haven't tapped into the tool of forgiveness yet, we invite you to go to www.whyagain.org. And if you scroll down the page, you'll see a, uh, a bullseye. And if you click that bullseye, that bullseye will take you into a full series of links that will walk you through the whole forgiveness process. Every which way but loose. The resources are there. They're free. Please, please, please make use of them. Take them, put them to work in your life, and watch how the game changes. So please access those materials. And beyond that, Jeannie, do we have anything happening? Or anybody with a hand up? Hello, Jeannie. Dr. Tim, are you there? I am here. I can hear oh, you. Okay. Well, do you have anything exciting to report today going on for you? Well, I've already talked about our very powerful support group last night and um, talked about the. Uh, files that will be up there soon and the testimonial from Michael Coughlin. There are two of them, one from April and one from this month. Um, and beyond that, I'm just encouraging people to raise a hand because most days there are 15 or more people in the phone queue. And um, when we get a question live from someone, it really helps take this whole process to the next level. So 646 200 Four one six nine, press one. No, a hand just went up, so it's six one six area code. You are on the air. Who do we have? Um, hello, this is uh, Maureen from Grand Rapids. Hey, lady. Hey, young lady, welcome. He- hello, hello. It's Jeannie. I'm so glad that you had such a powerful experience in the Poconos. Thank you so much. And I, I think of you every time I use the inside-out examples. <laughs> oh, thank you. Uh, what, one more week, uh, two more weeks, and it comes out on video. Awesome. I look forward to that. You got it pre-ordered. Awesome. Cool. So what's on your mind today? How can we support uh, you? Um, I know that you uh, just started with Bill Costantino to do the uh, – 30-day forgiveness challenge. Maybe you'll share a little bit about that. Uh, yes, it's uh, um, just awesome that you know she is providing that opportunity, um, uh, allowing us to, to go through the the personal code evaluation, 
and uh, help showing us where our blind spots are and giving us uh, an um, experience of an intense, intensive type experience for the next uh, 30 days. So and it's day two and it's already getting intense. Um, I just did a, a, a mind shifter. Um, and, um, uh, like my biggest fear and, um, it actually turned out to be a very Job-like conversation with God, uh, in which I'm saying, um, you know, my mind shifter was like, you know, the, the, the world, my relationship with, and it came to me to put God in there at the moment, um, you know, it's safe and nurturing and I'm like, and it ended up being, no, that's not true. As long as there is the possibility of suffering in the world, I do not feel safe or nurtured. So I think that might be a very core uh, fear of mine, uh, apparently, from that mind shifter that I, I didn't like realize. Sounds like a good one to address. Yep. So um, I was kind of wondering if you would help me through a uh, a worksheet on that because I'm kind of wondering how to back into one um, or or what to do with this information now since there's so many different possibilities of how worksheets can you know could could go. Um, Well, there are several. There are several approaches that you could take and uh, several worksheets you could do, and each one would contribute to healing in that particular arena. You could do a worksheet where the object of attention is the emotion of fear. So that would be the, the situation in number, or uh, the blank in number 1C could be fear. And the goal would probably look like I want to be able to trust the world or I want to be able to look out and see a happy world and canceling that goal and see where that takes you. You could do a worksheet where you're the object of attention. So in number one C, you'd put your name and why do I live in such fear might be the situation. You could do a worksheet where number one C is God and you know, I, I remember working in particular, one one place that I really learned this lesson very deeply is we had a young man who was at an intensive at Heartland several years ago. And when he was three years old, his mother contracted cancer and was dying. And they told him, and I'm not sure exactly who all the day was, but they told him that if he prayed hard enough, his mother would heal and his mother didn't heal she died and so he was probably 40-ish when he came to that intensive and for the first time realized how much rage he had toward God for taking his mother and you know sadly the church has really promoted this idea of well you know it's God's will God did it God did it God did it and it's like the only reason the church is doing that is because they don't have a clue what they're talking about in that regard. And so they lead people down a dark path where, you know, it's God's fault that there are all these bad things happening in the world. You know, why an interview I was listening to the other day and this guy, you know, who's kind of uh, anti uh, anything to do with relationship with the creator, you know, like, well, why would God create Ebola? And on and on and on goes the the conversation. And, you know, I don't know if you were listening to the show a couple of weeks ago. We brought, it, we brought in the idea of the free will zone. And each of us, made in the image and likeness of the creator, are creators. And so inside of us, and, and if we listen to the ancient teachings, the code word for this free will zone, or what we might call the unconscious, is the heart. So you hear them saying, take care of the heart, for out of it are the issues in life. You notice they, those who knew and understood how the energy system worked didn't say, take care of God's problem, because out of God are the issues in life. When we were given free will, we were given the ability to go for or against what the Creator created. And in doing so, we create energetic patterns 
that until we're willing to go into our hearts, into that free will zone and remove them, they will keep unfolding in our lives. And, and, and we can say to God, God, fix this, fix this, fix this for the next billion years. But until we're willing to surrender that particular problem or insanity and you start recognizing it we get millions and millions and millions and millions of people who have no clue how the system works they've never been trained it's like the person who gets in a car for the first time has no clue how to drive jumps up on the dash starts the car and looks out the back window and then wonders why they get into accident after accident after accident driving from sitting on the dash of the car and steering from up there because they don't have a clue how it works we've got Billions of people have no clue how it works. And, and then, because they don't know how to be responsible, don't wish to be responsible, they blame God for what they've set up in their world. And so also people will inappropriately thank God for things that aren't God's doing. For instance, oh, this particular issue healed. There's a, a good example of that in the, the scriptural story where we hear this woman who has this issue of blood, a really serious disorder for 12 years. And when she heals after touching what they called the hem of his garment, and I'd offer that as touching into the support of his energy field. When she heals, she wants to say, oh, look what you did for me, thanking him for something he didn't do. And a lot of people, and, and it's an important principle to understand because until we understand the principle, we can't work within it. So Yeshua said, no, it was your work. It was your faith that made you whole. You have a free will zone. You put something in that created its disorder. God didn't create your issue of blood for 12 years. You put an energy in that created your disorder, and you removed it. Good work. Acknowledge yourself. Understand how the system works rather than inappropriately blaming or inappropriately acknowledging God. And so when I get to clean those pieces of me up, so if we get billions of people all functioning out of rage and hate, what are we going to get? Well, every piece of mind energy we engage in becomes flesh, literally. Now, that's, that's the opening words in the book of John. In the beginning was the, they say in the beginning was the word, but it says in the beginning was the mind energy, and the mind energy became flesh. Now, what the cell biologists are telling us is when we think a thought, that thought turns into a molecule in our bodies, and that molecule, called a neuropeptide, circulates around in the structure until it finds a cell with a receptor site that matches and it inserts itself and becomes chemistry in the cell. So mind energy becomes flesh. We do that. We set up all these aberrations and we get millions and billions of people creating the world and, you know, just take a look around. We're lopping people's heads off. We've slaughtered in excess of one and a half million people in the Middle East, you know, on and on and on and on and on it goes. When people do that, they create insanity and an insane world. Got nothing to do with the creator. You know, it would be like you and I raise our children to the best of our ability. They have free will. And what they go out and create, they're responsible for, the good, the bad, and the ugly. What we create, we're responsible for. And, yeah, it's gotten pretty insane. But when we can get the principle across, so, so doing some work around the creator and how you perhaps were taught maybe through church or maybe through a family thought system that this was the creator's fault that this happened. When the truth is, it's not the creator's fault. It's not the creator's responsibility. We were given free will. We get to set things up. We get to change them when we understand how it works. So that would be another worksheet that you might do. And so, so that would be some shades of worksheet. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, I, uh, in fact, I just had a aha moment. It's like I think I am afraid of my own free will. It's like I have mm -hmm. a, an intention to do good in the world, but I also have the capacity to harm, and I'm uh, afraid of my capacity to harm. So that next, that would be your next worksheet on fear. So you'd be number one A. You'd put Maureen in number one A. What am I feeling? Fear. And I have, I fear my capacity to harm. What do I want? I want to have the capacity to only good. I cancel my need to, capacity, to have the capacity to only good. And then I drop into the part of my mind where I hold harm as a possibility and I get to expose that to love and I dissolve harm, dissolve harm until I can trust. And, you know, I'll offer that this is a, an issue that I've wrestled with over the years in doing this work because my commitment is to take this to every mind, heart, and being on the planet. 
And I have had times where my own mind, my own carbon-based memory, I recognize now, because back says, yeah, yeah, you say that, but you don't really mean that. You're only doing this for, you know, whatever, ulterior motives. And, and everybody's mind plays that game with them. And my input is, go ahead and do the good anyway, and just heal the part of the mind that wants to keep dragging you back into some form of hostility or fear. Because the truth is, in being, we're all the same. We're part of one body, as Jeannie said earlier. We are the light of the world. We're designed to do that. And if we put a bushel basket, rage, guilt, grief, pain, if we inherited a carbon-based memory system called a body-mind unit with rage, guilt, grief, and fear in it, there we came in with a bushel basket that we cover it up with. And so... Piece worksheet by worksheet by worksheet, you unweave the bushel basket until the only thing that comes through is the light that you are. All right, it, uh, and then it, yeah, that that totally uh, resonates. Um, to, to just to confirm the uh, like the goal that you recommended was I. I cancel the the need to do good. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, awesome. Which for anybody who hasn't engaged in the forgiveness process yet, uh, that, that one might not make any sense. So let's take a minute and just talk about that briefly. The core of first century Aramaic forgiveness, the word forgive in Aramaic is shabag or shabak, and it means to cancel. Now, you know, for anybody who hasn't engaged in it, if you just heard what Maureen said, you'd say, well, this guy's crazy. He's telling this woman to cancel her need to do good in the world. That's insane. Why would anybody do that? Here's why. Because goals drive behavior. Without goals, we don't have any behavior. If I load a goal to be good, and when I load that goal, my mind comes up with fear, then my desire to be good is going to be tarnished by my fear or my anger, or my sadness. So I want to forgive. I want to remove that fear, that anger, or that sadness. But it's underneath the surface. I don't have access to it. It's hidden in my heart, or unconscious, or the dissociated mind. How do I get access to it? The key way into access to the parts of our minds that are not in harmony with the truth of who we are as love is the goal. And so the goal that shows us or recruits a part of our database that holds some form of hostility or fear, when that goal is canceled, it collapses what's going on in the perceptual system and gives us access to what's underneath it. So in your file, so to speak, in your mind on doing good, there's some different energy, some different information about, well, no, you can do bad. No, you harm. You, you did. Look what you did. Oh, my God. And, and so... By canceling the goal, I collapse the perception that holds fear about me doing harm. And when that perception of fear about me being able to do harm collapses in on itself, when I follow it in with the, of the presence of love, then I get to access and dissolve what's in my heart, my unconscious, my dissociated mind. And as I do that, I'm freed of, literally, ultimately, the capacity to do harm in that particular case. And each person, the things they need to deal with, you know, if you, you know, imagine we brought somebody in the room, we're in a classroom and there are 100 people there, and we bring somebody up to the front of the stage and that person does something that's really disgusting. Everybody in the room agrees that was just disgusting and, and inappropriate and a terrible thing for them to do. But you'd notice that with 100 people in the room, one person might be afraid, one person might be sad, one person might be in tears, one person might be enraged. Everybody would have a different reality around that disgusting behavior. The reason everybody would have a different reality is because everybody has a different free will zone and different content. And if they don't allow themselves a space to access that content, if they keep it hidden in their hearts or their unconscious, again, take care of the heart for out of it are the issues in life. If they keep it hidden, they can't change it. So this brilliant piece of work where Yeshua 2,000 years ago comes up with, here's how you collapse the perception that's occupying your awareness, and here's how you drop into the part of your mind that needs healing. It's nothing short of genius and 
absolutely amazing when we do it. So just so that if there's anybody new who'd say, what, he's telling her to cancel her goal to be good? Yeah, that's how you get into the deeper content of the mind that holds things that go against that goal. And again, if you haven't accessed that, we invite you to go to whyagain.org. Click the bullseye, whole series of links, radio shows where we've walked somebody through the whole forgiveness process. There's all kinds of support. And of course, we're here every day, five days a week to, uh, to have a conversation and advance the understanding of why and how it works. So Maureen, how does that fit? Any other thoughts? Oh, I think that was the the goal I, I needed to tap into. So thank you very much. Absolutely delighted. Glad to be on the team. Thank you, and, and uh, deep gratitude and blessings to you all. Okay, and uh, give everybody in the support group there a hug for us and tell them we said hello. Uh, I definitely and will. Especially, and especially Bill. Uh, I definitely will. Okay, and, cool. and Maureen, I did get your email, and I just haven't had a chance to. Oh, I'm, I'm actually in your thing. <laughs> okay, Michael needs to mute his because it's coming through twice. Um, I did get your email, Maureen, and I just haven't had a opportunity yet to to respond, but I will. So uh, before the end of the day, probably maybe later tonight when I get back to Heartland. Uh, yeah, I I I, um, I guess that you were going to be uh, pretty busy, but it's you know I just tell that still small voice. Uh, told me to forward it to you, so I'm, well, I'm glad you did. Acting on the prompting, so that's that's perfect, and and thank you very much. I appreciate it, and I will read it as soon as I have an opportunity. Okay, awesome, awesome, great, thank you. Um, did you have anything else? Uh, yeah, nope. I I was just gonna say uh, thank you and blessings. Okay, hon. Thank you. Blessings to you too, Maureen. Thanks for being on our team. Right. And Michael, I got a a, uh, a text from someone wanting to know they've been to Heartland before, and I guess probably where I've posted pictures the last few days of of cabins and things being repainted. The sign that says Heartland, we are one, or or Population One, and they wanted to know how that sign came about. If you could explain that. How did the sign Heartland Population One come about? Well, actually, when that sign was created, I was on the road traveling, and I'm not even sure who created that sign. But, of course, one of the tenets of the work is uh, is Albert Einstein when he says, if you think you're separate or separated from the rest of humanity, you're living in an optical delusion. The truth is there's only one of us. So, so that's the whole basis of the sign, Population One at Heartland. And, of course, our... Uh, our schedule is set for next summer. If you'd like to come and join us for an intensive, we do have a, uh, a special until April 1st registration for any Heartland intensive, not the Food Fund Forgiveness Program, but any Heartland intensive will net you 10 DVDs. And if you say that you uh, heard it on the show, we'll actually give you a full set of all 15 DVDs. And so if you're ready to uh, to join us for that, make a commitment now. Get started working with the DVDs. We'll send them out as soon as we get your registration. And uh, we invite people to really intensively work with them. And then we also have, if you're uh, especially if you're up there in that what's going to be icy cold winter, although it's kind of hard to tell. We're in, in Springfield. It's in the mid-70s today. Yesterday was 83, which, you know, the end of October, that's pretty pretty wild. But uh, it probably isn't going to hold for long. So uh, along about February, uh, you might want to reprieve from winter. And uh, we'll be in Orlando. We've actually, we're calling it a lap of luxury intensive, or two intensives, actually. Uh, the month of February, we'll be doing a uh, nine-day Codependence to Interdependence Communication Practicum. That nine-day will actually stretch out to, for those who want to do uh, a little longer time frame, we'll stretch out to 16 days. Then we'll take one day off, and we'll step into a 16-day Laws of Living. So if you'd like to join us for either of those intensives, then uh, you can go to the website, uh, call me, and uh, let's get you set up to do it. And Jeannie, you've got something else, sweetie?
I know I'm switching back and forth between messages that are being texted to me and actually taking my phone off of mute. So it's like two different screens on on my phone. And my computer crashed, but I think we can probably take it all the way to the end of the show. We've only got about five minutes. But someone sent in and said um, they wanted to say this anonymously, but thank you to myself, Jeannie, and Michael, and the community for the tools and for all of the support regarding them changing um, their drinking behavior. I said it took me 14 months of listening to the show every day, doing love exchanges in the mirror to myself and reading the commitment to myself every day, and over a 1,000 worksheets, mind shifters, and many breath sessions just to get to the point where I could hear and speak the truth. I have now been 17 days sober, and on day nine when I chose to dump out my leftovers, um, I saw that it was a poison that it was. So thank you, thank you to everybody. Well, that's awesome. And uh, we certainly support people. If uh, if alcohol you think is your friend, you might want to rethink it. It's uh, in no way, shape, or form a friend. And it's a way to anesthetize and uh, mood-altering. And I'll tell you that the best mood-altering thing there is to do is to do your work and free yourself from the things that are unlike love. I was listening to an NPR presentation where they were talking about women in postpartum depression and husbands with postpartum depression. And, you know, these are medical professionals and they're talking about, you know, this drug and that drug. Well, you may be pregnant, but you'd be better off to to take this drug instead of, you know, being in depression when your baby comes and not being there for them because you can do great harm and blah, 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 blah. And it's just like, oh, what a conversation, not a clue, not a clue that there's a thing called forgiveness and that with forgiveness, the depressive thoughts, certainly there are what what we call hormonal interactions that happen during pregnancy that change the whole function of the of the energy system, but all it does is expose what's there. And when we start to work consistently and consciously and removing what's there, then we get to free ourselves of those things that cause or are called depression. If you uh, if you have any question about that, I'd uh, tap into and we'll get it on there soon you know probably the next 24 to 36 hours the um the show where michael coughlin shared how not long before he started this work he uh woke up on the floor with a rope around his neck having tried to commit suicide and lived in depression and alcohol and in doing this work the things that would trigger him into depression that he's consistently consciously. And now, you know, he's been at the work now for five years, five years of serious work and physical things, healing, mental, emotional relationship, just every arena. Uh, listen to what he said on the show. That was uh Last Thursday, I believe. If you want to just go to the archives, you can listen to Thursday's show, but it was absolutely awesome. And, you know, there isn't an arena on the planet that it isn't necessary. God, if we could put this into the hands of leaders who live out of fear and see nothing but threat everywhere they turn, the person has no idea that there's such a thing as a fear filter that keeps them in a threatening world. There's such a thing as an hostility feature, uh, filter that keeps them in an irritating world. People don't have this knowledge. It's just like, again, it's like getting in the dash of the car and driving down the road looking out the back window and wondering why there are accidents. It's time for us to wake up. Time for us to have the tools and make them available. And we appreciate your support in empowering us to do that by any support you choose to give us. You know, if you want to donate to support this work, go to our website. There's a button there. You can push it and donate. You want to donate some labor, some, you know, you want to come to Heartland and help to do the refurbishing of the buildings where, you know, if you've you've looked at the website, take a look at what's happening. Be part of something that's making a serious, serious difference in the world. And ultimately, we're going to make this Thank you for listening to Mind Shifters Radio with the forgiveness doctor, Dr. Michael Rice, and his wife, Jeannie, who present the internal Aramaic process of forgiveness. Michael and Jeannie are here every Monday through Friday on Earth Angels Radio. For more on Michael and Jeannie, please visit www.yagain.com. That's www.yagain.com. 
W-H-Y-A-G-A-I-N.com. Evolving continuously.